0: Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity to come to worship, to learn from you and to be transformed by you. Lord, speak to our hearts, our minds, our bodies and souls. Give us clarity of what it means to be your disciples, to be your light and salt in the world. Lord, we pray that as we reflect on part of today's reading, that you help us, help us to grow in deeper understanding of you, and deeper understanding of our souls. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Throughout history, people have attempted to draw Jesus, to paint Jesus. You know, and if you were in, you know, I can remember in 70s and 80s going through um, Sunday school and at the school there'd be pictures of Jesus which were generally this: fair skin, blue eyed, long hair, um, look like a person that could be quite happy on Bondi Beach. However, we know from history that it's probably not a a true reflection of Jesus. And if you look at the, the picture that's on our theme slide for today, you see many attempts to depict who Jesus is. And one of the interesting things that I've discovered is that when you look at different countries, when they paint Jesus, they often paint Jesus from their ethnic background. Jesus being Chinese, if you're in China, there's Chinese pictures of Jesus or very dark skin if you're in Africa. Now, one of the most... Well, this picture here, that one there, is a, a scientific approach to try to depict who Jesus most likely looked like. Right? And in fact, I, I remember when that came out, they said Jesus was most likely short, a bit fat, right? a bit overweight, um, short, bit overweight, and dark curly hair and very olive skin the truth is there's many pictures of who Jesus is, but there's also many pictures of our understandings of Jesus, both within the church and also in the wider world. And this is where our reading comes into play today. Jesus has addressed his disciples and he's encouraged them not to say anything until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And it's quite a strange thing. And in fact, as a person who's passionate about wanting others to know about Jesus, I don't like this text. And I don't like the text, for many years I didn't like this text and I wouldn't preach on this text because I used to feel that here's the Bible contradicting itself and telling us not to talk to others about Jesus. But then I realised we live in the age of the resurrection. Jesus has already risen from the dead and we should live out our calling to tell others about him and about who he is, Jesus is. And it's a bit like a story that I come across of a, a gentleman that every week would go to a coffee shop and order a long black with an extra shot and a pastry and would sit there, have his coffee and eat and just sit and watch and look around. And it is every week, week after week after week. And the cafe owner kind of knew him, but kind of, if you asked the cafe owner who was this man, she'd say, "Oh, he's just a man that comes in, has a long black with an extra shot, and a pastry." And then one day, the cafe owner gets a call, and the call is simply, "Oh, tomorrow, your landlord is coming around." Um, he's coming to visit you, wants to meet you, wants to have a chat with you about the building, your rent and about what other things. Well the cafe owner's a bit nervous about this and is expecting this business person to walk through the door at nine o'clock. But at nine o'clock, this old this same man who'd been there week after week walks through the door, orders his long black and with the extra shot and a pastry, and then introduces himself as the landlord. Well, the cafe owner's perception of him changed at that point. Saw him as something different. Saw him as someone special. Made a good conversation about what they ought to do. But he also saw him as somebody who could help him and not was going to make life difficult for him. And the same is true when it comes to Jesus in some ways. Many of us have pictures of Jesus. Pictures of Jesus who is based on, partly on scripture and partly on our own experiences. And so there's two questions I'm going to encourage you to think about. Think about this. First of all, how we see Jesus shapes our Christian faith and therefore us. Think about how Jesus, how we see Jesus shapes our Christian faith, but it also shapes us. I want you to think about how do you see Jesus and how is that shaping your Christian faith and therefore yourself and us as a church community. The second question is, what does it mean for you that Jesus is your Messiah? What does it mean for you that Jesus is your Messiah? Because that's a word we use and I'm going to explore that a little bit deeper. But I invite you to keep thinking about these two questions. Because the reality is the Christian church is shaped by how people see Jesus. And we as individual Christians are shaped. People leave congregations, even leave Christianity because of their perception of the church and whether it's living up to what they believe Jesus is about. But today's reading encourages us to think of two very important things. You see, there are many pictures of Jesus. Many pictures of Jesus. Some people will focus on Jesus as a wise and ethical teacher. And particularly if you go to Christian schools, this is one of the things they focus on. That Jesus is a good ethical teacher. He's worth listening to. And that's true. He is worth listening to. He does have some good ethics for us to listen to. Others will focus on him being the miracle worker. And that will be their most dominant thing, is the miracles that he has and the healing that he offers. Now, I've been to um, a group called St Luke's, which is a, a, an older traditional group that focuses on the healing of Jesus. And every time I've been to them, they just focus on the healing stories of Jesus. I have a friend of mine who, who kind of says, look, we see, like the song we sang, Jesus Loves Me. Too many people think Jesus loves them and he's just this nice, meek and mild thing. And his favourite story of Jesus is when he comes into the temple and overturns all the tables. He says, Jesus is like that. You know, he, he's got to correct our wrong and confront us really strong. And that's his focus. And so in the Christian church alone, we have many different perceptions of who Jesus is and what's important. Some see him as a good man. Islam talks about him as one of the highest ranking prophets. Not God, but one of the highest ranking prophets. Two other faiths, the Hindu. And the Baha'i faith talk about him as one of the manifestations of God, but not the complete manifestation from God. And then we have this thing that Jesus is referred to as the Messiah. What does that mean? Well, at the time of Jesus, um, if you go through the Old Testament, there's, it is littered with this promise of a Messiah would come. And many of the Jewish people at that time are like many Australians in that they're looking for a Messiah, they're happy for a Messiah to come and make their life easier and better. You see, the Jewish people at that time were under oppression. They were living in their own country or living in a country, but were ruled by Roman rulers and were being forced to do things they didn't like and didn't have control over their life. And so they kept praying and wanting this Messiah to come. They also had this elevated view of the Messiah you know, which probably didn't relate when they met Jesus because Jesus kind of walked around and did things in the community, got his hands a bit messy, mixed with people who weren't perfect or purely clean and they, that didn't meld with their picture of the Messiah. And so when we talk about Jesus the Messiah we also have to unpack what is the Messiah about. Well Jesus began this conversation a bit earlier than our text when he asked this question. He was with his disciples, right? And you've got to remember, it wasn't until after he rose from the dead the disciples actually got stuff. right? But he began this conversation with them about who he really was. He said, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? In other words, who is the Messiah from them? Well, they said, some say he's John the Baptist, others say he's Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. However, Jesus then went to ask, he said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And this is a good question for all of us to reflect on, is who do we say Jesus is? Who do we say Jesus is to others? Who do we say Jesus is by our actions, by our approach to Christianity? Who do we actually say Jesus is? Who do we say Jesus is by the way we relate to others? And then Simon Peter answered, he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So at this stage, Simon Peter's kind of gone, Yep, yeah, I'm recognising, I'm accepting, you are the Son, Messiah, the Son of the living God. And the transfiguration kind of confirms that, this event that we talk about transfiguration. Because again, remember on the transfiguration mountain, God says something he said to Jesus when he baptised Jesus. You're my son with whom I am well pleased. And then he says to the disciples, listen to him. Take notice of him. Now, for our Lenten series, we're going to, we've got a, a new series for Lent called the Jesus Challenge. And part of that is about listening to Jesus and putting Jesus's words into action. That's what we're called to do. That's what all followers of Jesus are called to do, is listen look at Jesus and put things into action. And that's what the Jesus challenge over in Lent will encourage us to focus on. But back here, we have Simon Peter saying he's the Messiah. But we know also that Simon Peter doesn't get it. And the reason we know this is that a bit later on, what's going to happen, the story that we have, is that Simon Peter's there and Jesus says that he must suffer and die. And what does Jesus... And what does Jesus says... He must suffer and die. And what does Simon Peter says? No, not you. That's not what you're going to go on about. So he doesn't quite get what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. So what does it mean for Jesus to be the Messiah? And that's a question for us to think about and reflect on. You know, I'll I'll, I'll give you this analogy. If I um, had said to somebody, you know, it's very easy for us to have a, a thought about something and to say this is what should happen. If I had said to my mother 20 years ago, um, you're going to have a phone. You know, what's your picture of a phone? She would think of a phone with a wire to the wall and something you're, to, you're bound to. right? And if I then said to her, oh, we've got a phone that we can walk around, she'd be going, how can you do that? Right? We have this picture of things. And likewise, people have a picture of Jesus and therefore they have a picture of the Messiah. They have an expectation of the way he would act. And we do this with people. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when people get to particular positions, it's like, there's an expectation of the way they dress and what they say and how they go about stuff. And if they don't meet that expectation, some people get their niggers in a knot. They get upset. But the reality is, Jesus is not going to be bound by how we think the Messiah should be. We don't write his position description. What happens is God reveals through Jesus who the Messiah is. And so there's two key things that Jesus says later in Matthew, in Matt chapter 20, verses 18 to 19. Jesus says, We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. And will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And the second thing, he says, on the third day, he will be raised to life. These are the two key things, the most important things when we look at Jesus. This is what the focus of the church is. Now, if you go around different denominations, different denominations will have a focus of these differently. It has been said... That mainline Western denominations, which includes the Lutheran Church, the Uniting Church, the Anglican Church, um, Catholic Church, tend to focus on this, the cross, Jesus on the cross. They tend to focus on the suffering of Christ, which is true. However, today's reading says we've also got to look forward beyond the suffering of Christ on the cross, you know, always got, we should be looking forward. Jesus is encouraged to look forward to the resurrection. On the third day, he'll be raised to life. And so within our church, we have two crosses. We have this cross with Jesus on the cross, and we also have this empty cross to remind us that Christ is no longer on the cross, that he is raised from the dead. And that's why when we come to Easter, it's very beneficial if we attend Good Friday and Easter Sunday, Because what happens is we get the whole picture of the suffering aspect and then the resurrection. And that's where Jesus has called us to live. Not to be stuck with him on the cross, but to be focused to his resurrected life. But it's also important to remember the suffering because without the suffering, the resurrection doesn't need to happen. And that suffering on the cross is for us to pay the price for our sins. And the resurrection is also for us to confirm with us that we have life to look forward to. Whenever, we host, whenever I host a funeral, whenever I lead a funeral, there's some important liturgy that's in there that comes from Romans, which talks about us dying with Christ and rising with Christ. We have a hope to look forward to. And so going back to what is a Messiah, the Messiah is somebody who's prepared to to die for us and rise for us so we can have life. And the problem is that many people want a Messiah. The problem is what form a Messiah? Many people want an earthly Messiah who frees them and brings them earthly blessings and comfort. Even within churches, we have people who will focus more on the earthly blessings that God gives. And I get disappointed with God. And I've talked to people who have left the Christian church, or at least left congregations, and a lot of it's around this God's not giving them what they think should be comfortable. In fact, He's making life more difficult. And the truth is, if you take the New Testament as a guide, life will be challenging as a Christian. Because it I, encourages us to look at life differently, to live life differently, to live not for ourselves but for others, to do things not just to to make us comfortable but to bring blessings to others, to help others to know they're loved. And so one scholar wrote this and and then he went on to say Jesus is our Messiah whose main mission is to be our sin bearer and give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus being the Messiah is the only one who has power to do this, that he comes. And this is where, back in Jesus' day, but also in Australian society, people struggle because they are looking for a God that makes life easier, that takes the pressure off them now, but limits God, they want to limit God to just this earth. Whilst Jesus is reminding his disciples is to point people Point people to the resurrection. Now, one of the blessings that I have is to be involved at times with people's difficult times of their life, like a death. A few weeks ago, I got a phone call from somebody who says, oh, it's terrible. My grandmother's died. How old was she? 85. And i always a bit cautious because you're going to comfort people. You've lost someone you loved. But for us as Christians, we can also go, wow, Grandma has passed from this life to eternity to be with God to a place where there's no more suffering, no more pain, no more death. And that's been made possible by Jesus. Because Jesus is our Messiah, doesn't mean he's going to make our life comfortable now. But what he does do is bear the cost of that sin that we should bear. And so we can have eternal life. So what does this all mean for us? Well, to understand who Jesus really is, we need to see everything he does through the lens of his actions on the cross and the empty tomb. One of the other faults of Christianity is that we often like to pick on other Christians who we think have got it wrong. We like to point out that their flaws. We so like to say, oh, those people who are focused on, like St Luke's group, oh, they're just focused on all the healing stuff, right? We like to say, well, you haven't quite got it right and we we like to pick that well the healing is part of Jesus' ministry and it's part of our ministry sometimes we get people who are focused just on prayer sometimes people get a bit upset when we start talking about money in the church and yet the topic that Jesus most spoke about in the New Testament is money there are also other things that people like to focus on with Jesus, what's important is to put all those things into the re- the lens of his actions on the cross and the empty tomb. Is to say to people, when you look at Jesus, everything revolves around these two actions: what he did for us on the cross and his empty tomb. It gives us hope. It gives us a future. It changes our destination. It doesn't mean the other things are not part of his ministry, but it changes the way we look at them. Because to really understand who Jesus is, it's important to understand that and that. The cross, the crucifix of Jesus and the empty cross. He's our sin bearer and he's our death defeater, as somebody put it. He's the one who's made it possible for each of us to have life. And so what does this all mean for living the faith? Well, first of all, think about this. Always see Jesus and what he does through the lens of the cross and the empty tomb. As you engage with the stories of his healing, as you look at how he condemns the religious people, right? He's not condemning the religious people because he just likes to have a beef with the religious people of the time. He's condemning them because they're taking them, taking people's eyes away from God's grace. When he talks about money in particular, and he talks a lot about money, think about why does he talk about money in regards to this? The cross and the empty tomb should be our lens how we look at Jesus with all our issues that we have in the church, with all the difficulties that we've got in society, this is the main point. This is what Jesus being the Messiah is. In John, near the end of John, there's a statement that says, Jesus does all these other signs so people may have faith. Faith in Christ is going to pay the price for their sins and give them eternal life. The second thing in living the faith is focus on and be shaped by the resurrected life. Look at your life today, but also remember this life is only a temporary life. You have a future that God has secured for you, a future that the later epistles and revelations say there's no more sin, no more pain, no more death, no more crying, a future that has been made possible by these two actions of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the tomb. And this can also be put into practice in our life. At times, there may, you may have a terrible thing happen to you in your life. Well, with a resurrected focus, as someone said to me once, when I visited them and I thought, oh, things were terrible for them, they weren't un- totally unhappy. And I said, what's on they said, I know things are bad, I know I've lost this, but there is hope, there is a future. And with Jesus, there is always a future. And the third thing in living the faith, remember that Jesus has risen. Jesus has already risen. So it's now the age to tell others about him. It's now the time to share this news that Jesus gives him a future and makes it possible. There's one other little thing that comes out of today's reading you may or may not picked up in Matthew. At one stage, the three of, there's three characters on this mountain. There's Jesus, there's Moses, and there's Elijah. And what does Peter want to do? Peter wants to create some museum pieces. Peter's a good ritualist. He wants to put some things up there to say, Hey, look. Let's have Moses, Elijah and Jesus. Tense. But what happens? Almost instantly the, the, they're blinded and when they look up there's only Jesus. Now we have, as, a, as Christians, we carry a lot of stuff. We have a lot of things that we carry. We've got a history If you're part of the Lutheran Church, there's a history of the Lutheran Church. But there's also a history of our own personal faith. There's people we like and there's people we dislike. There's people we take notice of and there's people we don't take notice of. And we usually bring that into our faith as very important at times. Well, today's reading is to remind us that Jesus is the only one, the main one we should be focusing on. It's because it's only he who went to the cross for us and rose from the dead. May you live with a faith of hope, hope in the future, hope knowing that the real Jesus is the one who does love you, but he shows his love through the cross and the empty tomb. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, pour down your Holy Spirit on everybody here and everyone we meet. May they know who you truly are, the one who loves them, not because of the earthly blessings you give them, but may, you know, may we know you because of the eternal blessings you give, the promise you give, how you're prepared to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Lord, we pray that you continue to help us to share with others who you are, what you do, and how you go about life. Loving Father, thank you. Thank you for the love you have for us. Thank you for being our Messiah. Continue to help us in this journey of faith. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.